One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the place where musical memories are transformed into great conversation and often a lot of laughs. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guests this week are Eli and Fur. Eli and Fur are DJs and electronic music producers originally from London, Eli being short for Eliza and Fur short for Jenna Fur. Rather than mixing other people's tracks, Eli and Fur write and play their own tracks, which creates a sound that is, quote, distinctly electronic, mixing house and dance beats. The duo's debut track, You're So High, reached the top three on Hype Machine in 2013 and has since received more than 73 million views on YouTube. Over the past decade, their passion for producing, songwriting, and performing has cemented Eli and Fur at the forefront of the international house and techno scene. They've performed regularly around the world at clubs and at festivals, including Coachella, Tomorrowland, and Glastonbury. Back in October, they released I'm So High 10 Years On. It's a reimagined version of their career-defining single, and they relaunched their own record label, Nick's Music. They sat down with us from their homes in Southern California. Good morning, Eli and Fur. How are you all this morning? Very good. How are you guys? Doing great. Well, you guys are out in California? We are. Yeah. We are in sunny LA. Uh, it's nice and early here. Fur lives in Laurel Canyon, and I am on Hollywood and Vine, right in the uh, center of the craziness. <laughs> right on. Um, do I have this straight? Did you guys just get back from India? Um, I was in India, um, yeah, doing a, a little Indian tour, uh, and also Bali in Australia. So we don't always tour together, but um, the Fur's been here in LA in the studio. Understood. Are you guys kind of big in India? I looked it up and there's like stories in Rolling Stone India, which I didn't even know was a thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess we uh, we can tour in India. So I suppose there is there is the fan base there. I mean, the shows were pretty good. They're very, very enthusiastic um, India, India fans. Huh. Um, I- yeah, we've been touring there for a while, actually, on and off. Um, cool. I think we went there first like seven years ago. So Hmm. Um, how'd you guys meet originally? So we actually went to school together yeah. uh, when we were 16. When we, yeah, we met at school. Yeah. And it was the last two years. It was like, I guess, high school, like a uh, college school kind of thing. We were, we weren't like that close at school. We lived with each other after school. And then that's when our kind of friendship blossomed and we got into music together. I mean, we were friends, but I was a little wilder than I was, so mm-hmm. we kind of ran in different circles. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. Um, that that was in in the UK. Was that London? Uh, just outside London. Just yeah. outside. Yeah, London. in the countryside. Yeah. Were you both <laughs> making music on your own time and terms before you decided to collaborate? Um, it's it's funny actually. I didn't really get into making music until a little bit later. So but you were into art. You were doing Yeah, that. I I actually studied art and then that all changed when Eli uh had a job at Xenomania Records and I randomly got offered a job there. Yeah, which was after school. And then at school I was I was doing uh music technology, which was fun and but playing the guitar and and doing more folky stuff. Um so the actual project that we started was very, very different to what we were doing beforehand, I guess. Um, but it kind of came together in a 
really organic way, which was nice. Did you guys start off in a folky vibe? We we didn't. I mean, I, I was like in London playing kind of acoustic gigs and Fur would be at those gigs. Um, and she was, I think, more into the electronic space um, and was listening to a lot of older bands and, and stuff. So um, I guess kind of synth pop, uh, essentially. And we were also getting into, we were starting to go out as well. So that the, the, the electronic kind of dance music sort of edged its way in to what I was doing acoustically. And then when we started to make music together, those two kind of worlds merged. So mm. it was, it was both of both of our influences really yeah. that kind of got us to where, where to we create started. the sound. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's now. actually, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about you, but in reading up on you and listening to some of your music and watching you make music, that kind of explains it from what I've seen, I think. So cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> is a kind of natural occurrence. <laughs> um, okay. Well, who wants to start and who wants to be our first song guest? What do you want to do? I'll go first. Okay. First, I'll go first. Okay. First. <laughs> so you grew up outside of London or I, that's where you went to school. So I presume you yes. grew up there. Uh, how would you characterize the music? Musical background of your childhood like what was happening around um, you what were your family you know just to paint that picture so um I grew up listening to what my mom listened to which was a lot of 80s stuff she liked craft work and Depeche Mode and she she basically that was her that was her thing she liked so I feel like that was kind of the first thing I started listening to um, when I was nine, I I was drawn to this speaker system. It was like a five CD changing speaker system, and all I wanted was this 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 CD player. And I remember getting it for Christmas, and I didn't have any CDs. <laughs> so my mom gave me uh, Duran Duran, the Decade album. Um, you know, the one with like hungry, like the wolf. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was my only CD for about maybe a month. Um, and I remember going into school and telling, uh, the teacher I'd got a CD player and she was like, what are you listening to? And I was like, Duran Duran. And all the other kids were like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was probably kind of a bummer to have a five disc changer and only one disc. I know. <laughs> I know. It took so long. But um, th that was that. And then I think it went on to like Culture Club was the next one she gave me. Hmm. Um, and maybe a bit of George Michael. Hmm. But yeah, it was, it was, you know, so um, we've had, we've had so many people answer this question from their parents' mm. music that was handed to them. And I don't think anybody else has had like synth pop, like eighties, like yeah. standards in this answer. Yeah. Quite a young mum. What was the first uh, band or musician that got your attention on your own terms and not something that was passed down from your mom? It was a bit later on. I think it was, I think I must've been a little bit older and um, I think it was more like the sort of electro-y French sound. Also, also that said, there was a lot of like my, I, I know it's again from my mum, but um, Hotel Cost was something she'd play a lot. It was just like on in the house the whole time. And I think there was, it was quite diverse. And I think a lot of the sounds within those tracks made me think, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Like in regards to like, you know, picking out details in songs. Were instruments being played in the house? And did you play any instruments coming up? Uh, so I, I had piano lessons growing up. Um, 
my little brother played the violin and that was about it my parents uh don't play music and never never have i don't know i feel like the way that i ended up getting into music was very random and really just like a stroke of luck and through obviously through xenomania um you know i ha i had uh, a job in fashion and Eli was working at this amazing record production company and I was like wow that sounds so amazing and on the side we were sort of DJing a little bit at friends parties for fun and one day her boss Brian Higgins uh asked to meet me and that's how it all began it was honestly I just I gave up my job in fashion my parents were like what are you doing and I was like I've been offered a job in music hmm and and then I was just thrown in the deep end, um, you know, having to learn really fast, recording vocals for for pop artists and, you know, doing writing sessions. And it was terrifying, but it was so exciting. And it felt like I was doing something that, I don't know, it felt, it felt kind of natural. So I just had to learn really fast. But I don't think that's how a lot of people get into it. I was quite sort of late on. Yeah, I would, think, I would think that would make you an outlier there. Um, okay, we're going to do your first song or your song. This is yeah. the, uh, the the Simply Red song, right? Yeah. Would you like to tell a story about it or would you like to listen to it? Um, well, I'll tell you that when, when I decided this, I was like, it has to be this song because it's just the first thing that pops into my head. But it just reminds me so much of when I was about eight years old. My mom would play it uh, in the car on the way home from school and every time it comes on it's like I can just go back to where I was and almost you know envision myself in the car and see the things that I could see and feel how I felt so it's like pretty special for me to be able to transport myself back in time with this song and I also absolutely love the drums I think the drums are amazing. Do you think there's anything about that first moment that you do flash back to that made it so memorable or or not? The song does something to me. It just makes me feel, uh, it just makes me feel more than other songs. And um, I, I just remember saying, can we hear it again? Can we hear it again? Hmm. Uh, do you know what kind of car you were in? I like to paint a radio picture for our listeners. Uh, I think it was a Jeep. A Jeep? Hardtop Jeep yeah. or convertible Jeep? Oh, not convertible, sadly. Okay, well, let's listen to this song then, listening or imagining you. How old did you say you were? Like eight? I must have been eight, yeah. All right, this is first song on Three Song Stories today. She's here today with her musical partner, Eli. They're together, Eli and Fur. This is Fairground by Simply Red from their 1995 album, Life. <laughs> when was the last time you listened to that? Uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> was that because you were going to listen to it with us? Um, no, I just, I just wanted to. I do listen to it quite often, I have to say. I, I think it's time that I make uh, my own little edit. <laughs> I think so. It would yeah. probably, it would suit it, I think. Um, do you listen to that song differently? Like, I mean, you, you make music, so do you deconstruct songs like that in your head as you listen to them in a different way than you would have 5 or 10 or 15 years ago? Definitely. Yeah, I feel like it's always changing, always hearing things differently. Would your mom have any idea that that's a song that when you hear it, it takes you back to the Jeep? Uh, yeah, I think it was special to both of us. I think I think she'd probably 
she'd probably have memories too. Hmm. Um, well, if she's listening to this, you can ask her afterwards. Um, when you were in high school, you said you went into fashion. When you were in high school, was that like the path you were on or like what was your, you know, what was your vibe in high school musically and what were you heading toward in your head? Um, I was, yeah, I, I was always very, I've always been very creative. Um, so I, I would make things, I'd paint and, you know, my goal was to, to have a job in fashion. Um, so that was, that was me really. I, I thought that was my journey, but then, yeah, it was, it was mad how it, how it suddenly changed. Hmm. Um, Okay. That's all the questions for you for now. We're going to pivot to uh, Eli. Are you ready, Eli? I'm ready, yes, definitely. Okay. How would you describe the musical background of your childhood? Um, so my parents had absolutely no musical taste whatsoever. Um, Does that mean um, they listened to bad music or they didn't listen to music? <laughs> they listened to a lot of bad music. Okay. I mean, I remember, um, I remember my mom, just all it was was like just musicals so like the phantom of the opera soundtrack the least cool music possible um the only great uh memory is probably abba um but other than that i didn't really i kind of had to discover music on my own um which was mainly i guess listening to the radio on the way on the way to school so that was a lot of um when i was younger probably um 90s dancey stuff which i i didn't know what any of it was but yeah i didn't really get into music really properly until i was probably around maybe 10 or 11 when i was um i guess it i went to a different school and then i started discovering music on my own so yeah it was definitely the upbringing of when I was younger, just, just, and also I do say, I'm not, I, I, I'm not mad about it as in I'm, I'm, I did, I do love musicals now. <laughs> I was going to say, you it. did call Phantom of the Opera bad. I think you said Phantom it's of the not, Opera. It's not, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's, it's just not cool incredible music ever, yeah, yeah. but it's not, it's not quote unquote cool, but not that I care about that in any way. <laughs> um, but it's very different to, I guess, what we're doing now. Like, you know, this kind of um, trendy music. I grew up with just, yeah, musicals, ABBA, Celine Dion, um, just powerful stuff. <laughs> I, think the, I think the two of you should do an album of just covers, <laughs> you know, sampled covers of, of like house versions yeah, of exactly big Broadway right. standards. I, I have a friend who, who's always like, oh, you have to do a Phantom of the Opera remix. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely no, uh, um, no harm to, I mean, I mean, that's the most incredible music, but it definitely is f like very, very far away from what we do. But um, I would say very melodic and um, uplifting. <laughs> um, but as soon as I got away from that, I was looking for the kind of darkest um, places <laughs> for music. Um, but yeah, I would say musical theater and um, my mom's collection of every single Celine Dion album. Did you sing uh, along to Celine oh, yeah. Dion? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I still do. I still have my moments. I still just put on some Celine in the car and belt it out for sure. See, your parents knew something. Um, yeah. What, what was the first band or musician that you really glommed onto yourself? Um, so I started playing the guitar when I was actually about eight. Um, and I, I guess I just asked I asked my parents, well, I begged my parents for guitar lessons and eventually they gave in and I obviously, I, I honestly don't remember why I wanted to play. I have I have no idea. I don't know what inspired me. It was, I was too young to even remember, but I had to go looking for stuff to play. Um, and I would say probably the band that was the, would, would have been Oasis hmm. um, because they were obviously a massive British band and the the songs were so easy to play on the guitar especially when you're learning it probably would have been when I was about yeah about 10 um after I'd played you know all the like the James Bond theme tune (laughs) on the guitar I like started looking elsewhere so yeah I got into Oasis and that was um a lot of those British kind of um rock bands at the time and then I kind of uh, moved on to more folky stuff. Um, I mean, obviously this spans probably about five years, but I, yeah, I loved Laura Marlin, Mystery Jets, all these kind of like British folky bands and then got into kind of like the White Stripes and the Strokes and Kings of Leon and the Killers and all that stuff. So it's a kind of indie. I went in a, a very indie direction and even a little like, emo stuff as well I loved like something corporate and kind of some 41 and all those kind of like poppy I don't know what you call that pop punk or I, I don't really know what it was called but um alternative rock I guess was the uh the journey that I went on what was your first guitar my first guitar was a Tanglewood an acoustic um in fact actually you know before that I probably just had like a little Yamaha kind of kids guitar but um I remember my mom taking me um to to, oh my god I remember this so well to buy my first guitar um in London and just it was like a massive moment um I still have that Tanglewood my actually later later on my dad um dropped it on the floor and broke it um and I had to have it um, restructured, but it still has this little scar at the top. But I remember I cried. I was like, "What have you done?" Um, but yeah, I still have that guitar. I play it play was it a lot. Was Wonderwall your first song you learned? Oh yeah, it would have been yeah, Wonderwall, one hundred percent. It would have been that yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh, you know that's um, like a like a, that's like a meme. You know, like like the, <laughs> like the the guy that shows up at the party. Anyway, and all he knows is Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been me. But I mean, I guess it's better than showing up and singing a Celine Dion song at the party. <laughs> well, I don't know. You never know. Did you ever learn any like Dylan songs? Those are fun to learn on the on the. Acoustic. You know what? I, I was literally my two bands, the two bands that I listened to were, I mean, obviously I was, I was into that music, but I didn't, I didn't get into the older stuff, to older stuff till I was a little bit older. Cause the only thing I had was, I didn't really have access to it. I was just, I just had an Oasis CD and this, um, Travis CD, which, um, I like won in a, at a school competition. And then later on I started getting into old stuff like, 
you know, like the, the classics, the stones and, and all that. I mean, I was, but it, it, it wasn't like an early thing, you know, it was, that was late, a little bit later on. Um, yeah. How long before you got an, uh, an electric guitar? I presume you now have electric. I saw a picture of somebody mm -hmm. holding an electric guitar. I, I think it was you. Um, yeah, I think I probably got that electric guitar when I was working at Xenomania with Fur. Uh, in fact, I remember, um, yeah, I still have my, my blue guitar, we, which we use a lot in our live sets. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a progression um, until, you know, w when I, I guess when I met Fur is when the, um, the electronic kind of synthy stuff as well then started to, to um, kind of seep into to the music that I was writing and then what, what Far and I were writing. Did you ever write any songs that were just purely in the vein of acoustic folky kind of stuff? A lot of the tracks that we write and turn into these club tracks will start off with just the guitar. So the two of us will be in the studio and we'll come up with chords and we'll write um, essentially an acoustic track that, as itself stands verse chorus verse bridge chorus or or whatever and then we will kind of once that song is written and we have those hooks we kind of pull it apart and figure out how it will work on the dance floor so it's an interesting way of creating electronic music and um it makes things a little bit different heck yeah i like that um mm -hmm. do, we're gonna get to your first song but uh or your song um does does any of that early acoustic stripped down stuff ever make it to, out into the world or is that all just for you as part of the process? So we do, we, we do put out, we did kind of like a, in the pandemic, like a live show. And that was, uh, we did acoustic versions or semi-acoustic versions of um, some of our clubbier tracks. So we have done that for sure. And we love to do that because at the heart of it, we, we really adore songwriting and just kind of sitting down with the guitar or a piano and and yeah it's kind of in our in our souls <laughs> cool uh okay well let's do your song um this is the springsteen mm -hmm. how yes. shall we proceed um well this uh, uh should we listen to it first or let's listen to it first and then i guess talk about it afterwards maybe that'll work things up. <laughs> all right this is eli's song today on three song stories she's here today with her musical partner fur together they are eli and fur this is bruce springsteen's i'm on fire from his 1984 album born in the usa uh, you know i i i you know, I've heard that song a bunch of times, especially back when it first came out, and I would have never guessed it was so short. That's such a concise little song. Um, it is short. Where does yeah. that take you? What's the story? Um, well, that song was actually released before I was born. <laughs> um, I think two or three years before I was born. So obviously I was not experiencing it um, when it came out. But um, I discovered it. Uh, you know what? The reason it's important to me is I remember – it was the first song that I heard that really like emotionally moved me and made me want to kind of to create something like that. And I, and I, and I think I just kind of, I don't know. It just made me want to, to, to find more music that sounded like it, I guess. Um, 
And when you're young, you just kind of absorb all these other things and people play you stuff and you're listening to stuff on the radio and you're listening to, I mean, I listen to obviously a lot of stuff, a lot of pop, a lot of um, uh, what I've already mentioned. But this song, I just remember it was so nostalgic sounding and just so different and um, from another era. And I just, I don't know, I just, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the lyrics um it just made me really feel do you did you have any idea who bruce springsteen was i knew who bruce Sting, yeah i knew who he was i knew who he was but i wasn't you know I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you a bruce springsteen song um and this i saw i remember seeing it on it would have been on one of the music video channels you know how we, we well we, we used to just scroll through the channels um and it came on um, I think it was probably on one of the the rock channels or something, and I was watching. I used to sit and watch, and I love the music video as well. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. It's really funny. It's like I get really emotional when I listen to it. Still it's to weird. this day, it still it still brings that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's really beautiful. Do you ever uh, uh, pl- try to play along to it, or or you know use the guitar in accompaniment with it somehow, or play it? Um, I've definitely, definitely covered it um, a few times uh, throughout the years, for sure. Um, yeah, it was definitely something. I mean, I've never, I've never, at the time, I was not very good at the guitar. I'm, I'm still not great, but, um, you know, I, w- I would just play the chords and sing it. I mean, in 100%, that was something that I was just... Yeah, I wanted to sing it over and over and listen to it over and over. It was an obsession. I'm going to guess you did some open mics. Do you remember the first time you got up on stage and played in front of people? Uh, yeah. You know what's so funny is I was terrified to perform in front of people most of, uh, well, I guess till I was about, I don't think I ever, I was, I was just too scared. I think it would have been when I was maybe 16 or 17. I was in like school plays and stuff and I wasn't really, I was, I was a little more confident doing that, but to sit there with the guitar and sing was absolutely terrifying to me. I was, I would shake before every show. Um, I, yeah, it's, it makes me feel, (laughs) makes me feel sick thinking about it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I still get terrified. Um, I, I don't know if I want to do this because it might ruin it for you. But, we have to do but, it. Um, but as the song started, mm-hmm. I just, I had this like visceral response and I looked up at Richard and I said, for some reason, this reminds me of Elmer Fudd. Do you know who Elmer Fudd is? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, Google it, Richard. And here, Richard, play what we found. I'm driving in my car. <laughs> <laughs> on the radio. I you a <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You say no. Okay, <laughs> that's enough. Robin, it's Robin Williams. <gasps> You're ruining it for me. <laughs> so yeah, somewhere deep in my brain, it triggered that, and I don't, I couldn't have recalled that. No. Like you could have just told me there's nothing on Google, Mike. But yeah, so there you go. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, uh, let's get back on the train here. Um, so w- in high school, you were doing like the acoustic music thing. Um, was, mm-hmm. Were you aspiring to uh, like a career in music? Is that how you wound up in the job that you wound up in? Or what was like your your direction? Um, yeah, my, my, my dream was 100% to, to 
I mean, a, another thing that I became obsessed with was, um, I would say, I guess, music from America. <laughs> and I'd never been to the States. And um, I was just kind of obsessed with touring America and being in this massive folk band. And um, But I guess it got to the point where the music started to change. Um, and I was doing all this stuff and then I was going out to clubs and, um, the music kind of changed from this, you know, little girl with the guitar to, um, wanting to make stuff for the dance floor, which in some ways I feel sad about <laughs> looking back on it. I'm like, you know, I had, the, I had this dream, um, but what's so beautiful about the whole thing is that I don't think that I would, it's almost like this job that we are doing now merges both these worlds where we're able to travel and play this music on dance floors, um, but also live as well. And it kind of, it's just different than what I thought, but it's, 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 in, in, it's turned into this incredible thing. Um, and yeah, I didn't have, I didn't, I, you know, I just kind of went into it. Like I want to be, you know, a, a, a pop star and, um, got into the industry and spent five years working at, um, a kind of pop production company that Fur mentioned earlier, um, and really learned about the industry and, um, wanted just, I suppose to do something different and, and those, how it started and what it is now there's so many aspects of that folky style that we still draw from um you know while being able, being able to kind of play in these nightclubs around the world and I don't know I, I it wasn't how I never thought oh I want to be a DJ I was like I want to make music and share music with the world which is what we're doing and then DJing became massive passion and I didn't think that we would be able to merge those two worlds and we've stuck with it. For, I think we're in our like 12th year now um, of doing this. So, you know, it's not the exact path that I thought it would be, but it's a, it is a dream. Cool. Well, now we can yeah. pivot. That's the perfect handoff now to the we. So for you can come okay. back in. And um, <laughs> um, so how long, like you said, about 12 years, like, you know, what was the beginning of what you consider your you know, formal collaboration. How did that start? What What did you first do? Where did you play? A little bit of that stuff. Um, I think the the beginning was really just uh, DJing at friends' parties uh, mm. for fun. I think that was just the beginning of yeah. the. Well, we and also we would we were um, going out to clubs together and getting into that music, and yeah. kind of said to each other oh my God, we should do this. Like, I actually remember that actually, moment. Yeah, do I you remember. remember the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were, and we were, oh wait, with the, yeah, yeah. So we were, I remember we went out to this party um, at this club in East London called Basing House. And they, there was uh, um, two DJs playing, uh, Kink and Neville Watson, who, I mean, Kink is like a massive um, inspiration to us. And we saw them play this kind of hybrid live set um 
and it was just we, we were just like this music is it was unbelievable. it was incredible because yeah. they they didn't even play in the dj booth i remember they moved this little table out into the dance floor and it was very hands-on ableton they had a bunch of controllers and they were even letting people in the crowd like kind of have a go at one point <laughs> hmm. um like triggering like loops and stuff and i was like this is just incredible i think that really inspired us yeah kink is such a um interesting artist like the way that he he does all this incredible design with this 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 stuff that you know he can move his hand and create kind of filters with them i mean it's insane what he does it's different and and we saw two two people doing it together and we were like we have to do this so we yeah we were just like let's start it and yeah we bought some cdjs and we just kind of yeah went from there <laughs> have you been have you called yourself eli and fur the whole time through yes we have we have the whole time through there were some very dodgy names floated at the beginning um such as we i remember <laughs> that you'd <laughs> that be willing one. to admit <laughs> um i remember we were going to call ourselves trash madison <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad that didn't wait, wait. Would one of you have been trash and the other one yeah. Madison? Right. I don't even know what, I can't even remember at the time what the reasoning behind it was either. <laughs> but I still remember that name and I, I thank the Lord every day. <laughs> we didn't my uh, my mum still teases me about our first website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was very, very strange. What did you use for the wallpaper background? <laughs> Um, I remember and was it we went tiled? to a, of course we went to like this old abandoned gas station and I asked my friend who wasn't a photographer to take photos of us and uh yeah it was experimental <laughs> um what was your first like real gig like paying gig like you walked home with a paycheck or some money somehow um we played in this bar uh, in Chelmsford just outside London, a uh, place called Bar House. I don't know if that still exists, but shout out to Bar House. Um, there was about five people there. And uh, we, I remember doing the set and we did it, whatever. And we went to a car and we shut, shut the door to the car and we both screamed. We were like, oh my God. It was like the most incredible moment. Like there was nobody there, but we were like, we killed it. We couldn't we could <laughs> believe that we'd done it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we sort of potted around London for a long, long time. And then suddenly we we had this um, email from this guy asking us if we'd come to Tokyo and play at a whiskey festival. How did he find um, you? Any idea? Um, I think there was... It was your killer website. That must have website. been that. <laughs> so, um, wait, is, was this yeah. um, the kayak ad? No, that was, so that was later on. This was like, um, I think we'd probably been de DJing for about three years. Um, and then it was, it was really out of the blue. It was super random. It was our first international gig. We just could not believe that someone was going to actually fly us like to another country. Um, it was just the most exciting thing. And I think at that moment, we, we both said, well, let's actually do this. Um, anyway, we, we got to Tokyo and we had to sort of um, almost host the event. 
<laughs> and like take <laughs> it was so funny it was it was um we went from djing to uh running a raffle to then <laughs> uh tasting cigars <laughs> it was a uh, yeah an experience but yeah that was uh we caught the bug mm. um so was that the first time you guys left uh england Yes. Wow. Tokyo. Yeah. That's a probably, you know, that's a good way to break in the rest of the world. Yeah. 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 It was pretty, pretty intense. And yeah. So on, Amazing. on the topic of Tokyo, I did, I wanted to ask about that, that ad that you worked with kayak and, um, mm -hmm. you know, the sampling of the audio is, is great. And I, and you know, the video of course itself is, is gorgeous, but I want to talk about just gathering sound, um, throughout the country like did you have a plan to get somebody playing like a koto and like the taiko drums and all that like did you have all that mapped out in your heads already or were you just capturing things so it was it was really interesting because i mean it was our first experience doing something like that and they had they had like all the um kind of scenes that they wanted to film um so we went in the studio and um basically with one of the guys that um works with kayak and we kind of sat down and made a plan figured out what the sounds were going to be you know where to kind of make this track that would make sense with the advert and the sort of different scenes and stuff i mean it was the most crazy experience because it's so high production that kind of stuff mm. and we're so we're just so used to making music you know in our in our I guess even our bedrooms, like we have a studio here and it was just very overwhelming and kind of insane, but like the most incredible experience for us um, to see how all of that works. Um, most of the time was less music. Like once we had, once you have the sounds, you have the sounds, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that it was over and over again, filming the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, we, we were up at, the very early hours till very very late and it was yeah yeah the whole thing took two weeks to film yeah <laughs> and it's what like how long is it's it? 30 seconds yeah. yeah did you did you write the song around the sounds or did you go in with the like how did you decide how to make the track um i think it was it was a bit of a compromise to be honest because obviously yeah as eli said they they'd storyboarded it right. so there were certain things they wanted to incorporate and then i think we just you know, made recordings and took them and just kind of tried to make it the most us sounding thing as possible with what we had collected. Yeah, exactly. And kind of getting in, um, you know, our like darker kind of synth lines and stuff and, yeah. and, and them being like, okay, but you know, obviously this is going to, this is quite a co commercial advert. <laughs> so it was a little bit of back and forth. Um, but it was a really cool experience. It was it was something really really different yeah. for us for sure. Hmm. Um, we've kind of danced around this, and, and that is a pun. Um, but can you formally explain um, how you integrate, you know, performing music with instruments in a way that happens on with you know as a DJ in a way that people might not expect? Did that make sense? So, I, I kind of said that weird. So I okay. So we have two different setups we have obviously just the dj set which is where we'll play a, a large amount of our music but obviously mix those tracks with other tracks that we love and um artists that we're big fans of and then we have the live set which um 
it's basically all um synths and um triggering samples using we use ableton live and also bitwig which is um another um first like favorite thing to use basically um and um we also play we'll have the guitar as well in some parts um we're actually at the moment working on this new live show which is going to be which is going to happen next year so it's gone it's sort of changed a little bit but we we um did this uh live set for um i don't know if you know circle it's just it's like a youtube channel where they have a lot of DJs and live musicians do these kind of crazy uh, um, sets from amazing places. So we did one um, next to Mont Blanc. So we set up a live situation and basically played on a mountain, which was kind of insane. Um, but yeah, it's literally just keyboards, um, vocal, live vocals, and and yeah, dr um, triggering drums and, and other samples. When you said playing on a mountain, was that the Red Rock show? You guys just played Red Rocks, right? Um, that was, oh my God, it was, it wasn't that, but that, that was a DJ set, but wow. Red Rocks, Red Rocks was such a, that must've been just fabulous. wild <laughs> to be up there. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a venue. It was so cool. We were, we were walking through all the corridors and they've got like a list of everybody who's played there. And it was yeah. Just, it's been, it's been a dream to play there. So yeah. it's a good one to tick off the list. Yeah. 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 Huh. Um, on your website, it refers to you creating compositions that truly fulfill your manifesto. What is your manifesto? Can you put it into words? You know what? The best way I would just say this is this is this is what I usually say as a sentence when people are like, "What what are you trying to make? Like, what are you trying to say?" Um, it would be emotive dance music that you can listen to on the dance floor and feel emotion, but you can also listen to when you're driving in your car, you can listen to at home. It's not um, music that, you know, at, at the time that you listen to it, you're not like, ah, turn this off. You know, I need to be in a club. It has to be this, this, this pull on your heartstrings music. I mean, this is what we try to create. <laughs> this is the ideal um, that, um, yeah, it makes you feel and makes you go to sometimes dark places, sometimes light places, but it's a most emotive dance music, emotive electronic music. Yeah, I guess if that, if that answers that question. <laughs> Anything you want to add for? Because I think I've figured out your voices now. Did I get that right? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think, I think for me, it's, I kind of, ha I think, well, I think both of us, we have to do this as people. It's our, it's our outlet uh, emotionally, you know, when things get tough or sometimes you'll step away from creating and then come back to it. And you end up just going to this place as an artist, I think, where you just have to do it. Um, you have to make music. And I'm so grateful being able to do that. If it wasn't that, I'd probably be painting all the time. But um yeah, I think I think it's just an an escape and I think I hope that when people listen to it they feel that they can, you know, go somewhere else too when they're listening to it. Yeah. Um I was reading through your uh, AMA on Reddit because I do research and there was a co question or a comment about you only having one song in a major key and mm. you said that that wasn't on purpose but something I don't know. But yeah, so your music tends to have that more 
minor key feel except for that one song is that right that's true funnily enough though recently i have been doing a lot more major stuff yeah well we both have was that um, because of that comment in, on Reddit? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I think it might have had something to do with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's almost like opening a, a new chapter. It's it's crazy how different it can be when you try writing. Yeah, I, th I think we're just, we tend to lean to the darker side of, of, of the moodier side of, of, yeah. of, of that kind of music. But it's, it's crazy. It's so true. I mean, what you just said, Fab, but... There's writing actually, and something. Yeah, there's a, a new demo that we're both really excited about, and it's mm -hmm. in C major. Ooh. <laughs> Would minor key stuff be what is most prevalent in club music? I would say so. Yeah, definitely, definitely in the in the in the space that we. Um, the more sit. underground, yeah, scene a little bit we... more underground, kind of darker, yeah, um, melodic house music is is definitely leans towards that. Unless you're talking trance in which case like full-on trance which is incredibly uplifting and a lot of that is in a lot of, uh, it will be in major keys but we tend to skew a little darker <laughs> okay we're going to head toward your third song but i want to ask you guys some questions about concerts um first this will be concerts you've attended not that you've performed at do you each have a most memorable concert experience that you attended as like a music civilian Ooh. um I saw, I mean, this is probably a, a lot of people who are in this, uh, in this genre's answer, but I saw Fred again play uh, in LA, um, which was really, really amazing. What he's doing is, is something really, really different and really cool. Um, that would be the most recent, recent one I can think of. One that springs to mind for me, I saw um, Art School Girlfriend in Brighton and her music is fantastic and i thought it was incredible oh gosh her music's amazing yeah oh i also saw here's another one um uh the band joseph um oh my gosh uh it's just that i saw them um supporting the shins at the i think it was at the beginning of the year um these three girls who just make this beautiful kind of um i guess acoustic-y folky music which um they it was literally just them a guitar and just like a drum pedal and they were just harm had these insane harmonies um they were really amazing they stuck with me for sure uh on that reddit uh, ama you also talked about loving to perform at club space in miami which you'll be performing at soon from what i can tell uh what mm -hmm. is it about that is that correct am, am, am i quoting you correctly and what is it about that venue that you love yeah, yeah, you are for sure. Um, you know what? It's 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 everybody who plays, I guess, on like that circuit of clubs. I just it it's they're real music lovers in that club. They're very patient. Um, you get to play for three hours, which is often club shows will only be two hours, or even festivals sometimes are only an hour, an hour and a half, which is just like such a short amount of time. But space is always three hours. Uh, you can take people on a musical journey um, and it's just this this patient crowd who are really there to like watch the DJs and kind of listen and discover music. So it's just this this feeling that you get when you're in places like that, which is, is pretty unforgettable. So very excited about playing that one. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, let's do your uh, Together song, which is the Depeche Mode song. How would you like to handle this? 
What do you want to do? Should we play it first? Yeah, let's play it first. I like that. Okay, this is uh, Eli and Fur's song together here on Three Song Stories. It's "Shake the Disease" by Depeche Mode, released as a single in April 1985. It was one of two songs on the band's 1985 compilation album, the singles 1981 to 1985. This is Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. I remember Fur playing me this track, um, and then. After that, I guess we wanted to be Depeche Mode. <laughs> <laughs>、um, yeah, I think it was a pretty special moment because suddenly we would really count their music as as an inspiration to kind of what we wanted to do. Our music doesn't sound anything like their music, but、um, it was just the lyrics, the vibe, the the, the synth sounds. It's just a huge inspiration to us, and it's something that we've, you know, one of us has given to the other, and it's just, it was, it's just kind of special. So uh, uh, she played it for you back before、mm. you guys were making music. That's what you're saying. No, I would say probably、um, when we started DJing. I would say,、um, obviously, I knew who Depeche Mode were, but like, I, I think. You know, and I'd heard their music around, right? But it was never. Yeah, you know, she was like, "This song is the most important." You know, this is the song that like I grew up listening to. You know, this is this. We should sound like this. And I remember being like, <laughs> "Yeah, that this is this is incredible." And it just, I don't know, the lyrics and also. As well, we were just obsessed with their style. <laughs> yeah, the fashion aspect of it, yeah, definitely was inspiration. And we were just, we were just like excited, excitable, and like, oh, you know, this this music is is just it just like hits you, and like what they look like, and 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 the music videos, yeah, and the music videos, <laughs> like every single music video that we have done since we started has been from watching their music videos and. Dressing. I mean, we would dress. <laughs> we would dress like them. <laughs>、um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not only a musical、um, reference, but just in terms of the vibe and what we wanted to do. It was a real inspiration. So, at this point in your career of over ten years, how much on a one to ten scale are you still channeling your inner Depeche Mode <laughs> desires? Always, <laughs> always, <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> Did you ever see him play? <laughs> Um, sadly, not. I saw they were playing、um, what two nights ago yeah, in LA. Yeah, missed out on that. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah, too late. Not. Yeah, it's not too late.、Um, okay, we are going to.、Uh, well, we're going to do a speed round. But last question before the speed round.、Um, you know, what do you guys have on the horizon? I, I see you have a couple gigs listed、uh, on your website. Like, what are you? What do you have lined up? And what are you dreaming of lining up? So we have lined up at the moment. We've basically been working on a new album,、um, and we've just been putting together a bunch of music that is is going to come out next year.、Mm-hmm. So our dream really is to put that out, and you know, be able to keep growing and just basically n- never give up, and and hope that more people can hear our music and. And like、yeah. it, yeah, 
keep doing what we love. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, we are going to do speed round. And so what I'm going to do is um, there's going to be questions that you need to answer is like Rorschach. Just answer them as fast as you can. And okay. I'm going to, we're going to do uh, Eli and then Fur and then Fur and then Eli and then Eli and then Fur. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, I think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, the first, the first question is, I think we already know the answers because that's your names. But do you guys have any nicknames that have stuck over the course of your life besides Eli and Fur? Well, we call each other um, a different nickname. So I call Fur Ducky. And I call Eli Barney. Or Eel. Or Eel, yeah. Ducky, Barney, and Eel. That could be the name of your next album. Um, Brilliant. Okay, then Fur, you're first this time. Um, uh, um, do you do karaoke? No, I... No. You don't? I don't. No. I get, I get a bit shy in karaoke. Yeah. I'm the same. I'll do it with someone else. In fact, we'd probably do it together, but not alone. We have done it once together. Yeah. I think that's kind of ironic yeah. that you perform in front of massive crowds, and but you're shy about the one thing most amateur people can do musically. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's too I much expectation. No, it's because we're perfectionists. Wait, we need to rehearse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means you need to get a karaoke machine for your house. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. Oh um, uh, Eli, your turn. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter the arena to? Mm, um, maybe, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Uh, I really want to get this right. I don't know. Maybe something. <laughs> I should have let oh, you I practice know. this I know, question. <laughs> I, know, I know what song. Rihanna, Disturbia. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, fur? Uh, probably just white noise. <laughs> white noise. Wow. Yeah. Just really loud white noise. Really loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good answer. That's a, that's, that's that's a novel answer on this show. Um, uh, okay. Uh, for your turn, uh, what, activity, uh, what activities or pursuits make you lose track of time the most? Gardening. <laughs> All right. Is that a is that a true answer, Eli? You laughed. Oh, oh, oh! It's it's so true. It's so true. It could not be more true. I've got a green thumb. Mm. Yeah. Do you, call her, her, do you call her Barney? We've got she's stuff trouble? to do. Fur, get out of the garden. <laughs> Honestly, it's true. Fur yeah. calls me Barney because I'm a barnacle. Oh, got it. What does that yeah. mean? No, I was asking if it was Cockney <laughs> slang, but. No, 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 no. Okay. You grow on the side of things. Um, she's just very, um, she's just very, you know, at one with where she is. Like she, she'll just sit on the rock and life will just wash over her and she can just be balanced and not fall off. And she, yeah, it's, it's a strange little thing about her. Deep I, nickname. I love it. Yeah, your nickname's like meta. It's two levels deep because it's like you're the nickname of a barnacle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, uh, well, we need the hobby question the other way. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, no, yeah. What makes you lose track of time the most, uh, uh, Eli? Uh, uh, um, maybe uh, I would say losing track of time. Probably wa hiking or walking or being in nature, I guess. Um, I can just walk or run for a, a long time and okay. lose myself. Uh, song you wish you could hear again for the very first time. Oh, that's a really good. That's a really hot. That's a. That's a really. I really want to. Can you give me time to think about this? Okay, for, <laughs> fur. You answer while while Eli um, thinks on it. Oh. Um. 
<laughs> Sorry. What's Sorry. the first thing that pops into your head? I actually thought weirdly the first thing I thought was um, Justin Timberlake, Crimea River. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it is. Yeah, then. that's the answer. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I um, that was just the first one because I think that's one of the best pop songs ever, ever, ever um, written. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, what else? Come mm. on. Sorry, guys. This oh, is, that's okay. We're, I'm in no hurry at all. We can just kick back. Yeah. Um, we, what song would I listen to for the first time again? What about a Christmas song? Oh, that's a good one. <gasps> um, oh, I know. George Michael. Oh yeah, sorry. Wham! Last Christmas. Ah, oh, yeah. Wham! Last Christmas. Okay. That on Fresh Ears would be lovely. Oh, that would be. Um, if you could broadcast a song. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Um, for if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet in one big collective magical moment, which song would it be? Um, it's a song that I wrote called "There's a Tiny Cat." <laughs> it's, you have um, to sing it now. Oh God! What yeah. have I done? Yeah, I think you do. Okay, with me. Okay. There's, there's a, a tiny, tiny cat walking down the street. There's a tiny cat standing next to me. <laughs> that was it's great. I don't want to laugh. I mean, that was great. That was so good. It would be great if everybody heard it at the same time. Just, just that. Just that. The whole song. Just that long. Just everybody just in the world just heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Was that su- was that was that written for a real cat? It was actually written for a dog, but that's the cat edit. Um, and Eli has cats, so we changed the lyric. That was the cat edit. I've lost track of who's answering what. Uh, Eli, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person, what would it be? Um, it would be. Um, mm. Uh, uh, Celine Dion, my heart would go, will go on. Nice. Okay, last question before we have you recommend three people. Um, Eli, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? Um, uh, I think I'd be, I think I'd be happy. I think, um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd think that I was, uh, probably my 14 year old self would be like why aren't you playing folk music in in bars and in all around the states and have a little why aren't you Cheryl Crow Mark II exactly (laughs) exactly yeah or actually Alanis Morissette was my Ah, my real yeah um but yeah but but you know what I it's just it I wouldn't I just think it would be unrealistic and I actually am loving what I'm doing and I'm happy. So I'm sure my 14 year old self would understand that. Your 14 year old <laughs> self probably wouldn't know what Red Rocks was yet, but if they did, they'd be super impressed. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <I'm... laughs> For what about you, 14 year old self looking to you now? Uh, I think she would say, wow, that was unexpected. <laughs> keep, uh, <laughs> keep going. Don't give up. Make nice. more songs about cats. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It is time for you to recommend three people that you'll share this with that you think we might be able to get on. And as it's clearly being done today, we can do it remotely. Okay. So the first person would have to be Brian Higgins, who was our boss for many years and has um, an amazing history in the whole music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would nominate him. He would be a very interesting person to talk to. And, uh, yeah, 
he kind of gave us our shot. Cool. So yeah. Um, and then we've done this, we've been figuring this out as we've gone through. So, um, the other one would be, uh, Maya Jane Coles, amazing DJ producer who is a good friend of ours, but also an inspiration to us. Um, we've always loved her music and she is another female DJ who has been a mentor and an inspiration for us. Cool. Um, and then I would say my sister, uh, Daisy who is a artist um, and uh, has been kind of slugging away trying to make it as an artist and is now selling her paintings and doing really well. And I'm super proud of her. And she's a very interesting person, um, really intelligent and uh, kind of a great person to chat to. So okay. I would well, recommend her. Well, <laughs> you know, once this comes out in a couple of weeks, then just tell them you're on it and we'll try to get our, do our best to get them on. Do you guys have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? It's been a real pleasure getting to know you both. Thank you yeah. so much for having us. Yeah, and, and for having us and for doing this. And it's really great a to pleasure chat. to be part of it. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you. <laughs> This week's parting tune comes from Eli and Fur. This is their recently released song, I'm So High, 10 Years On. It's a reimagined version of their most career-defining single. Make Three Song Stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chenqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete.
Keep listening.